Thank you so much for that prayer, Jim. Well, if you have a Bible with you this morning, I would like you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the chairs in front of you. If you're watching from home this morning, watching our live stream, um, and you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You'll be able to follow along with what I share with you. Our text this morning, what we are looking at is John chapter 6, verses 41 through 51. John chapter 6, verses 41 through 51, two weeks ago. We looked at the first of Jesus' seven I am statements, his great I am statements, where he says in verse 35 of John 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In verse 38, he says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And we pick it up in verse 41, and we read, So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread... He will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, this is the first week or the first Sunday of December, and I want to give you a preview of where we are headed this month. This week and next week, we will stay in our sermon series on the Gospel of John, and I want to tie the sermons this week and next week to Christmas. I think these passages have more to do with Christmas than we realize. Then on the third Sunday of the month, which will be the 20th of December, we'll take a break from the Gospel of John and we will look at a more traditional Christmas passage. We will do the same thing on Christmas Eve when we have our services that night. And on both on the 20th and the 24th, I really want to focus on our great hope in Christ right in the middle of all we are going through, our great hope in our Savior right in the middle of all that we are going through. And then on the last Sunday of December, the 27th, I want to finish John chapter 6, and I want to tie the very end of the chapter. I want to tie it to a look back at the year we have gone through and to look ahead to the year that we are coming to. But now back to the passage that we are looking at this morning. Our first point this morning is the grumbling crowd. When Jesus presents himself as the bread of life who comes down from heaven, the Jews grumble 
about him. In verse 41 we read, So the Jews grumbled about him, and here's why. Here's why, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. These Jews are grumbling, they are griping, they are complaining. And it is a reminder to all of us this morning that griping and grumbling and complaining does not please the Lord. And that is especially so when it is toward God. But here they are. They're grumbling about Jesus. They have just heard the greatest message they could ever hear. That he's the bread of life. That whoever comes to him will not hunger. That whoever believes in him will not thirst. And what's their response? They grumble and they complain. Because he said that he came down from heaven. And what I want you to grab hold of this morning is that these Jews at this particular time are receiving the message of Jesus only with human hearts and secular minds. They are only receiving the message of Jesus with human hearts and secular minds. And this doesn't make any sense to them. That someone can say he's the bread of life and that he came down from heaven. So in verse 42 they say, they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this the son of Mary and Joseph? We have known him for most of his life. How can he now say he's the bread of life? How can he now say that he's come down from heaven? And again, they are experiencing and receiving the life-giving message of Jesus only, only with their human hearts and their secular minds. And their grumbling, their grumbling is the key to this whole passage. And if you're just reading through this, you may not get this in some kind of cursory study. But their grumbling actually helps us to understand the whole text this morning. And that's the beauty of preaching through a book of the Bible or doing a small group Bible study straight through a book of the Bible. You see things you wouldn't have otherwise saw. You catch things that you might not have caught if you weren't studying through the entire context and the fullness of the book. You see, they're grumbling is the key. They refused in their hearts and in their minds to believe the testimony of Jesus. Their hearts are hard and they are rebellious and resistant. And so Jesus warns them that their grumbling is the evidence that God the Father is not drawing them. So important this morning. Their grumbling their hardened, resistant hearts are the evidence that God the Father is not drawing them. That they are resistant and rebellious toward the message that Jesus is giving. In verses 43 and 44, we read this. Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus says, do not grumble among yourselves. 
It is a serious thing. This is life and death. What I am telling you is life and death. This is no simple subject. We're talking about eternal life. We're talking about the difference between heaven and hell. Don't grumble at my message. And then he says this, no one can come to me. Powerful words. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Now, I don't think I could have been given a better introduction to this passage of Scripture than the message that was preached last Sunday morning by one of our missionaries, Craig Schaefer. If you were here last Sunday or if you watched it by live stream, you will remember that Craig preached from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It was an excellent message. And he shared with us last Sunday morning that we cannot live the Christian life. We cannot progress and grow in the Christian life apart from the life-giving power of Jesus within us. If we try to do it in our own strength, we can't. It's not about gritting your teeth. It's not about trying harder. It is about, and do you remember when he said this? It is about falling on your faces every day and crying out to God that his life would be lived through us, that in his power and in his enablement, we would be able to grow and change in Christ. And then he said this, what is true of our growth is also true of the spreading of the gospel. That if the power of God is not with it, it will fall on deaf ears. And he talked about the people group to whom he is ministering and when he first presented the gospel and how intimidating that was. And he had written a letter to himself that he reread that said he could do nothing among this people apart from the power of God. And that when he presented the gospel, it had to be done in the power of God or it would fall on deaf ears. It's exactly right. And when he presented the gospel, it did come with the power of God. And some believed and some did not, but it came with power. And then he said this. Do you remember last Sunday? He said the gospel is not the first thing. Prayer is. Prayer is. We must pray that God will use his word through us in power. We must pray for those that we are sharing with, with we are, whether we are preaching or teaching or just sharing one-on-one. -on -one. It must be done with the power of God or it will fall on deaf ears. And that is exactly what Jesus is saying in verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can come to me unless there is a work of the Holy Spirit in their life. No one can come to me unless God the Father is at work in their lives. And your resistance, your grumbling, is the evidence that he's not drawing you, that you are resistant and rebellious. And then he says to them, and I will raise him up on the last day. Do you realize how important this message is? I shared this with you two weeks ago. When we are genuinely born again, when we truly come to Christ as Savior, our salvation is so secure, 
so assured that we are guaranteed that our bodies will be raised from the dead in the future. When we die, our souls go to heaven. And we are given, I believe, a temporary body. And then at the rapture of the church, our dead bodies will be raised. They will be glorified. They will be reunited with our souls. And we will go on into the millennial kingdom and the new heaven and the new earth. But Jesus says, no one, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Now I want you to look at verses 45 and 46. They're very important here and they are directly connected to that first sentence of verse 44. A lot has been written about verse 44. But not as much has been written about verses 45 and 46, but they are equally as important and so critical to this text. In verse 45, Jesus says it is written in the prophets... It is written in the scriptures and they will all be taught by God. They will all be taught by God. What is he referring to here? He is referring to the first sentence of verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Who comes to him? Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. What is Jesus saying? Here's what I believe he is saying. God the Father draws men and women to Christ through the preaching and teaching of Scripture. God the Father draws men and women to Christ through the preaching and teaching of Scripture. And that's why... Teaching the Word of God is so important, whether it is preaching from the pulpit, whether it was teaching the Scriptures in a classroom, whether it is teaching the Scriptures in a small group Bible study, or sharing the Scriptures when you're talking with someone one-on-one. It is the Word of God. It is Scripture that is the instrumentality of God that the Father uses to draw men to Christ and scripture alone. When you share the gospel with someone, share scripture. You may want to tell them stories or use illustrations, and that's fine. You might find it helpful, but that's not what draws them to Christ. What draws them to Christ is scripture and scripture alone. And there is that direct connection. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and it is written in the prophets they will all be taught by God everyone who has heard and learned from the father how do you learn and hear from the father through scripture those are the ones who come to me John Piper commenting directly on verses 45 and 46 writes this he says God taught you He did so externally by bringing you into contact with Christ. Now watch this, in the word. And he did so internally by overcoming your rebellion so you could see Christ for who he really is. When you saw him for who he is, you came to him, you received him. That 
is how you were drawn. And that is how those you love will be drawn. You were drawn by the use of Scripture. Those loved ones that you love so much who have yet to come to Christ will only be drawn to him through Scripture. Don't ever forget that. Jesus says no one has seen the Father except the Son he sent. So for the rest of us to see the Father, for the rest of us to see the Son, there must be a supernatural work of God in our hearts. And that comes as the Father draws us to the Son through the use of Scripture. It is there that we see Jesus. It is there that we see our need of a Savior. It is there that we see the beauty and wonder and majesty of God. They're grumbling. Their grumbling is the evidence that the Father was not drawing them. That brings us to our second point this morning, the pleading of Jesus. The pleading of Jesus. Jesus again pleads with the Jews to believe and receive him as the bread of life. And I want you to see what Jesus is doing here. This is very emotional. It's a very emotional passage it's passionate. He has given them this life-giving message. And all they do is grumble in response. And so he gives them the message he had given them earlier again. And I want you to see with me this morning that he is pleading with them. Verse 47, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Do you see this is life and death? The difference between heaven and hell. The difference between eternal life and eternal damnation. Whoever believes has eternal life. Verses 48 through 50, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. Don't you understand the bread they ate in the wilderness, the manna from God in the wilderness was just a type, it was a symbol pointing to the true bread, the living bread. But that bread didn't do anything for them spiritually. They all ate of that bread and they died. But this is the bread. I am the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. And then in verse 51, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment. But I want to take just a second here and talk about the last sentence of verse 51. In the last sentence of verse 51, Jesus says, And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. That sentence actually moves into the next text, the text the passage that we will look at next Sunday morning. Next Sunday morning, next week, we are going to look at some of the most controversial and misunderstood words that Jesus ever spoke. We are going to read that Jesus says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. 
these words of Jesus have been misapplied, misunderstood, and the cause of great error throughout church history. What does he mean when he says this? And we will look at that next Sunday morning. Let's go back to the first part of verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone, if anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. Do not ever lose the overwhelming wonder that if you receive Jesus as Savior, you will live forever. I think sometimes when we talk about eternal life and everlasting life and living beyond the grave, they become theological and theoretical concepts for us. I don't think they impact us. I'll speak for myself. I don't think they impact us like they should. I'm never going to die. If I truly know Christ as my Savior, if I've truly been born again, I'm never going to die. I'm going to live forever. In the truest sense of reality, we think of reality versus non-reality. We think of reality versus fiction versus perception in the truest sense of what can be defined as reality you are never going to die in a world filled with death and dying through Christ through the living bread you're never going to die that is to overwhelm us to strike our hearts and minds. We're going to live forever. And folks, this is what Christmas is all about. This is what Christmas is all about. On Christmas, the bread of life came down from heaven. The bread of life came down from heaven on Christmas Day. The Holy Spirit had overshadowed the womb of Mary and had placed in her womb the Christ child. And on Christmas Day, he was born in Bethlehem in a stable in a manger. And he went on to live a perfect life. And then he went on to die on the cross of Calvary to pay for the penalty of our sins, to die in our place as a substitute for our sins. And then he rose victoriously from the grave, overcoming sin and overcoming death. And that's what Christmas is all about. This is what Christmas is about. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. To be saved, to have eternal life, everlasting life, you must, you must believe that the bread of life came down from heaven and you must receive him. You must receive him as your Lord and Savior because anyone who eats of this bread, of this bread, will live forever. As we go to communion this morning, I want you to allow God to overwhelm you with the thought that through Christ, through the living bread,
you're never going to die. You're going to live forever. In this extraordinary time in which we're living, I, I feel like I need to give instructions each time we share communion because I know some of you may not have been back yet when we served communion last time. But what we're going to do is one deacon will pray for the bread and the cup together. And then the deacons will come to you and they will hand out the bread and cup together. They will give it to you. If you're not yet comfortable with taking communion during this time, that's okay. You can politely refuse it if you would like to. And then when everyone has been served, I will read a passage of scripture and we will eat and drink together. For those of you who are watching by, by live stream, while the deacons are serving communion, we will encourage you to use this time as a time of reflection and meditation. There will be a, uh, a screen picture for you for your meditation as we go through this time. Well, at this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.